Thanks for tuning in to episode two of the Good Morning League podcast. Today we are chatting with Sammy Robertson, who is a member of our league school board of ambassadors, as well as the mother of an autistic individual and the founder of Bailey's Team for Autism, a regional nonprofit organization supporting autism research, training, and much more. Sammy talks about her experiences raising her son Bailey, as well as starting Bailey's Team several years ago and the great work they've done ever since. Sammy, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, if you want to just start by talking about your son and his diagnosis and, you know, sort of what led to the creation of, of Bailey's team. My pleasure. My son Bailey was diagnosed before he was two years old, and he is my middle child. And so with that came a lot of confusion since he wasn't my firstborn and he was different from my daughter. But being a boy, I wasn't really concerned Um, We went through a lot of various stereotypical processes in terms of talking to the doctor and telling him that everything was fine because I think we wanted to see that he was he was reaching his milestones. But at his 18 month visit, I remember telling the doctor, I didn't lie to you at 15 months, but I don't really doing I don't really believe he's doing the things he's supposed to be doing relative to eye contact, relative to words, relative to just any sort of engagement. Um, when my son was diagnosed at about 20 months of age, uh, my husband and I looked at each other and said that we needed to be in this together. And that was really difficult. Like a lot of young couples who are struggling with challenges raising children, we weren't sure what our future was, but we quickly decided that we were going to tackle this together. And um, ironically, we are still together doing that when there is such a high percentage of divorce among families who are raising um, children with special needs or different kinds of challenges. Um, Bailey did not speak until he was seven. Um, I remember being so anxious about that and remembering that another mom of a person with autism reminded me that her son hadn't spoken his words till he was seven years old. When we brought him through the diagnostic process, we were giving the doctor all this wonderful information about how he knew his letters and he was lining things up and he was able to engage for long periods of time when, in fact, we were handing the doctor the diagnosis just by what we were saying. Fast forward, our family really needed to adjust. We learned quickly after attending several conferences and and reading books and and going to support groups that um, thankfully we were not alone, but we were, so we thought, living our plan B. Our plan B happens to be extraordinary and we've been able to adapt, but it is our plan B and you never plan to have a child with autism or any kind of special needs. So um, trying to re-navigate what you think your life will be like can be a bit of a struggle. You mentioned how young he was when he was diagnosed. That that does strike me as a pretty young age to be, be diagnosed. 20, 20 years ago, that was really young. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what led us to the process other than what I shared, although I will tell you this. We went through a lot of the quote-unquote regular processes, like we didn't feel he was hearing us because he wasn't engaged. So for instance, we went and had his hearing checked. And when we found out he could hear, I was devastated. Um, My husband uh, was relieved. It was just the way the two of us were processing things very differently. I knew that this was something else. Not that hearing impairment is not significant, but we did not know what it was after that. So when we started to go down that path and we met with a specialist, um, Dr. Steven Scheinkoff was our diagnostician, um, and he handed us that diagnosis um, of autism. It was pretty incredible that 
we were finding this out so early with time to still get into early intervention. I think it's a crime where a lot of places even today have these long waiting lists to evaluate and consider, you know, what children's diagnoses may be. Um, we ended up heading towards Rhode Island from Massachusetts to get, um, to sort of bypass longer wait lists. So, um, but he was very young for receiving that diagnosis. When it came time to found Bailey's team, you already had, you know, years of experience with, you know, knowing what his um, situation was and, and how to sort of navigate that. Like how did, but it, you know, it did take a few years to, to found it. Like what sort of led up to that? Well, so the interesting part of our journey was that we had just received Bailey's diagnosis. And one night we were out heading to um, a, a comedy show with my in-laws who are now both gone. And we were on the South Shore, and we stopped at a restaurant. And we walked in, and I saw a brochure on the table, and it literally said, Walk Far for NAR. And NAR, it was the National Alliance for Autism Research. They no longer are under that name. But I saw this, and it haunted me. And I was almost frustrated and angry because I was out for the evening trying to get away from this newly awful news that we were trying to sort of cope with and accept and adapt to. So we go in, we have our dinner, and we leave the restaurant. And when my husband goes to get the car, I run in and I grab the brochure. And I am not embellishing on this story <laughs> whatsoever. What happened then was I read the brochure. It was for a walk for autism. It was really, I believe, the first, if not among the first, walks for autism in this part of the country. And it was at Artisani Park in Brighton, which is on the part of the Charles River. And we decided we were going to do this. So I happened to write my letter. This was August. I happened to write my letter to family and friends. And many of the people who received our letter soliciting support didn't know Bailey was even autistic yet. That news had not reached them. I, this letter happens to be dated because I still have it on September 5th, and it reached a lot of people of September 11th, on September 11th, 2001. And that was when September 11th became September 11th for the world. So um, the fact that people were learning about what was happening to our family at the same time they were learning of what was happening to this country, um, we still received so much support where people were donating to Red Cross and, and all kinds of other things. We raised a quick $9,000 in support of autism that year. We walked in that fundraiser, and it was like nothing I could explain. And even after all these years of going to events, that was our first and people were talking about it feeling like a giant hug, which seems rather corny, but you just didn't feel like you stuck out because everybody, it's almost like coming to league school for the families who have their children here um, of any age. When you come here, there's no pretense. Everybody gets it. They're surrounded by other people like them or slightly like them. And you don't feel like you're either isolated or pointed at in any way. So that was a really incredible experience. And fast forwarding to answer your question, um, I became involved with that organization and begged them to let me bring that walk to the Providence area. And there were others like me, somebody brought it to Connecticut, and somebody brought it to New Hampshire, and we became part of that organization. And our team, if you will, started out as a walkathon team like anything else, like those teams you have at your 5K. After years of doing that, about three years of, of co-chairing or chairing the walk in Rhode Island, um, NAR became involved with what you now know as Autism Speaks. And I remained involved with that organization for about a year. And it was losing its grassroots feel. It was getting very big, very fast and doing wonderful things in the media 
to get people aware of autism and aware of some of the struggles all of our families have. But it was really hard to know where all of our fundraising dollars were going, and that is why we started Bailey's Team. It's, it was a very important thing for us to do. It was not easy for me because here I was raising all this money in deciding that it was going to this organization. And now I created a board of directors and we now had a voting process. And while um, we have a wonderful group of people that have a lot of integrity and we all support one another, I had given up control in essence of what I was doing. It's been an incredible learning curve. Um, our board meetings are like a love fest. Everybody really respects and admires one another. And Bailey's team is probably at this point, with the exception of how proud I am of Bailey, is what I am most proud of. And so you primarily started out um, funding research? Yes. So the organization we started with, as I said, was called the National Alliance for Autism Research. And they were focused just on research. Just on research. And what I learned really quickly when your child becomes diagnosed, and I'm sure this is true with a lot of different kinds of syndromes, diagnoses, challenges, whatever, you, you know, you want to fix it first. It's a real fix it mentality. And of course, we all know now that's not the language we use when we talk about people who are different. Um, they don't need to be fixed. We need to meet them where they are. And I believe in all of that. But there are some families who struggle so much that they do want to understand better what's happening. And so research is always very important. And what had happened was when you start living with someone who has a disability, you very clearly realize that you don't want to pour all your funds into research because you really need people to get support today. Mm -hmm. And so we started to change our goals and mission as a group to focus on research and education and programming. I Looking at the website, um, you know, the Bailey Steam website has a lot of lists of the programs that you've supported, and yes. a lot of them are, you know, university level studies, things mm -hmm. like that, but it even goes down to inclusive playground equipment and mm -hmm. getting kids into dance programs, things like that. It seems like the, the programs that you choose to fund are, are you know, varied and, and helping in all different sorts of ways, I think. Yeah, we really try to spread out. The money. So the process, let me back up, the process that we have is like any other larger agency, and we certainly don't think we're NIH or anything <laughs> like that, but to keep people honest and to have a, a certain degree of integrity, we have created a, a funding process, and there are grant applications, and there's a schedule, and there are certain requirements as to what people submit to us. Every program we fund, whether it's research or an activity or um education, it has to involve people with autism. It can also involve people with other different kinds of challenges, but it has to include autism because we are an autism agency. We do not typically, I think we've done it twice in 15 years, we do not fund families direct because that can get kind of sticky sure. because my family has a person with autism. Most of my dearest friends now have, you know, um, they support people with autism. So that could start to get a little, the lines could be blurred. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but we do give to agencies that support people directly. We give to um, different ARCs in Massachusetts. We've given to an ARC in Connecticut. Um, we've given, obviously, to League School um, and some other schools in Rhode Island. We've done different studies with people at Brown University. We've fund recreational programs. We fund one of our signature funding projects are first responder trainings to mm -hmm. um, help first responders, both police, fire, and then also EMS and hospital um, emergency room personnel to really understand um, people who are different and that 
a lot of kids, one of the tapes that I always hear in my head from one of the presentations is that some kids will run into a burning building instead of away from one. And so there takes there's another component that needs to be taught to people. But it's very strict. The people that do the training have to either have a family member on the spectrum to really get it or... I don't know, have a very specific um, relationship with somebody, you know, for a long period of time to understand the nuances of, of helping people with autism. And if you don't mind me asking, how much money have you raised so far? So, no, I don't mind at all. <laughs> so um, we are a small organization, and over the last many years, because um, we've been raising money for more than 15 years, we've raised about, I'm, I want to say now closer to $1.4 million, um, a little at a time. That's amazing. I mean, that's amazing. Um, yeah, we're very excited about that. And that that money is what has gone out. Yeah. Um, obviously, we every time we have an event, so we have fundraisers throughout the year, we have family events throughout the year, we've had educational um, offerings throughout the year, um, and but it's the fundraisers, the wine tasting, the golf tournament, the run, we now do an art show. Um, those are the events that really bring in the money, and sometimes it's not a lot of money, but you know, that might be a year we have to give out a few less grants. The grants, we've given out anywhere from $500 to about $20,000 um, on a specific project. Um, I would say the average is more like three to 10. Um, it's a broad range, but we get applications for 15. We once got an application for $200,000. I don't think <laughs> that they did their homework and, and yeah. read about who we are and what yeah. we do, because that was obviously beyond our... <laughs> Capabilities. Wish, you, wish you could, but yes, yeah. we'd love to. So, sort of shifting to talking about Bailey himself, you know, you said how the organization has sort of grown over the years and, and changed. You know, with Bailey being diagnosed so young and now being um, trying to do the math, how old, so he would be how old? He's twenty three. Twenty three now. So, um, you know, having an, an adult son, <laughs> what sort of changes have you seen in him? You know, over the years and, and where he is now. Well, I th I will start by saying. He is a love. Anybody mm -hmm. who knows him, he's very affectionate. Thankfully, all those stereotypes have not followed him in terms of being adverse to touch or, right. or you know, he does like to be alone. He likes to be engaged in his own, you know, gaming or whatever it is he's doing. But he loves his mother and father. <laughs> he loves his siblings. He is... Um, He's just, he's a joy to have in, in your life. I, and I can't, what's funny is, um, I know we're trying to educate people about autism, and I will share all of that part, too, about the challenges we've had. But most of the time, thankfully, he's a pretty happy kid. As he's gotten older, he's gotten easier and harder in that his um, outbursts are few and far between, which is great. But in a way, we've gotten a little less acclimated in terms of knowing exactly what to do all the time because we're out of practice. Yeah. So, and he's bigger and stronger. Typically, the biggest violation, if you will, um, our friend Stephen Shore likes to use that word when things don't go right for people with autism. The biggest challenge for him is if the internet goes down. Mm. And I can joke with you and say we're all not exactly excited. <laughs> I was going to say, you're describing happens. pretty much every kid. I know. I'm, ex I'm actually describing members of my family yep. too but he can't recover from that yeah. sometimes it's really frustrating really hard for him when he's playing a video game you'll yeah. hear him screaming from our basement because he's got to get to the next level yeah. he has learned how to google how to do that and then he'll do it i mean he can't have a conversation with you and me but he'll finish a whole series of gaming 
in about two hours. That might take somebody months to do. This morning, sometimes he surprises us. This morning, uh, every morning we get up, he comes, I'll tell you, on, on tape that he comes in our room like a four or five-year-old little boy and he snuggles with his parents. Mm-hmm. And then we get him ready for his programming and a, a car comes and picks him up. And this morning I was doing my thing and he was, you know, getting his shoes on and they showed up kind of early and he said, Mom, I love you. See ya. And it was so, we're not supposed to use the word normal. It was just like any other kid that you've noticed those things. Those things are not regularly happening in my house. So when they happen, it's like a breath of fresh air. And I'm smiling all day because my kids said that without me saying it first. Wow. And that was just, I don't know, it's silly, but I have goosebumps thinking no, about no, it. No, absolutely. But yeah. he's, he's progressed. He's, um, he can read. I never really understood his reading comprehension. But he'll look at my calendar and he'll figure out what's happening and he gets it. So he must understand more than we know. And as far as you're concerned, you know, how would you describe your parenting journey? I know, you know, have, every kid is different and, you know, your experience with every kid is, is different and special in their own ways. But like from your perspective, looking back on everything. Well, somehow I will say that I don't know if Doug and I have been lucky I don't know if we've been influenced by just the right people. We've befriended just the right people. I think we've done something right with at risk of sounding like I'm patting myself on the back, which I'm not doing. My son's overall disposition is very pleasant. We're surviving. Like I said, our normal is different from anyone else's normal, but we know how to do it most of the time. Um, We don't really travel. We don't go anywhere in the same car. I mean, those things used to really bother us and upset us, but you know, we, he said, I love you, mom. I'll see you later this morning. And sometimes you learn to appreciate those things much, much more, but not everybody can handle that change. And until they do, it feels like it feels awful. It feels poor me. And I've been through that. My husband likes to say that he never thinks of himself and he, it's always about the kids. We used to go to a treat for parents of autistic children. And it was a really amazing experience to share information and have a little bit of poor us downtime. And my husband would say at the end, it's not about us. It's about the kids. And I don't always agree with that <laughs> because yeah. some of the kids are pretty happy and some of our lives can be pretty tough. Yeah. But as long as we don't put too much judgment on ourselves, I think Doug and I have done a good job. I fear for the future. We've raised other children. And one of my other children, I think, will have a bigger role to play with Bailey. And he knows that. And he's been really wonderful about it. Um, There's only so much we can do to prepare. It's scary. Well, I think, you know, whether it's talking about Bailey or talking about the organization, you know, I think, you know, the things you've done have been pretty remarkable. Um, you. you should definitely be commended for that. Um, so, you know, thanks for everything that you've done. Thank you. Um, you know, looking forward a little bit, I know, you know, before we end, I wanted to give you the chance to talk about the things you uh, you guys have coming up for the rest of the year. I know you have a couple of events. Um, if you want. Yeah, to- that's wonderful. I would like to share that. And also why I'm here with you um, at League. So our events in the fall, we have a wonderful art show. In fact, League partners with us a little bit and sometimes submit some artwork for us to feature. And it started out as a fundraiser where we wanted to ask an artist to donate one piece of work for which Bailey's team would get the money. And then 
a number of pieces thereafter for which we'd split. We don't take um, all the money of any one piece anymore. We split the whole thing with every artist. So I was paying out some of the artists over $1,000 last year, which feels so good because it's a little bit of money for us. We're sharing the incredible talents of these people on the spectrum with the community, and we're able to give them money for supplies or what have you. Um, so that's coming up for the month of September. It's in North Attleboro. And... Um, and then there's an artist night where we have a reception, which is lovely. I think it's September 14th, but all of this is on our website. And then we have a, our 14th annual wine tasting, which has moved to um, a loft hotel in Providence, downtown Providence, and that is Friday, November 3rd. Um, most of our events are in the springtime, but those two are this time of year. And um, just to also say about League, um, you know, I have a really, I love my relationship with the League School. My son did not come to this program. Had he needed to go to an outplacement 20 years ago or just short of that, I'm only hoping that we would have discovered League. I've known about the League School for a long time, and I don't know where it was in terms of successes. I know right now it offers an incredible curriculum. The families here are so thankful for the program. Um, and I used to say, and I will say it this way, it's scary when I start to say it, but you'll understand. <laughs> when someone says, oh, you hear about League School, it's for our kids with autism, you should send your son there. And people who don't understand the process, and I used to say, you don't want your child to go to a special school until they have to go to a special <laughs> school. And then thank God for schools like the League School. So if you get through the first breath of what I'm saying, I'm not saying anything bad. I think it's a wonderful program. Um, we have funded, I believe, iPads here. Mm -hmm. um, we've also participated in each other's programming. Um, you know, Larry, your CEO, has come to our events and, and other people have as well. And um, we've been coming now to League School events. And it's just a really wonderful partnership. And now being part of the ambassadors and trying to get that to be a really a more cohesive group to help further the mission of the league school. That's something I'm really excited about and um, to work closely with the folks here. Well, I didn't know about the, um, your 5k or your, is it, is there 5k or what is it? I have a, it's a 5k and that is in um, April. It April. is, it is fluctuated between March and April. The funny thing was we used to do it early so we would only compete with five or six races on sure. a Sunday. The minute you move into April, you're competing with 40 a races lot, on yeah. a weekend. We have since moved into April, and we're doing okay. Great. Well, I, did, I didn't know about it this year, but I'm definitely, I'll definitely look Excellent. forward to running it next year. Um, well, Sarah, thank you so much. I really um, appreciate it. And, you know, the website address if people want more information? Um, www.baileysteam.org. It looks like Bailey Steam, <laughs> but it is but it sounds like bailysteam.org yeah. great yeah. Um, well thank you so much and um, look forward you. to working with you more in the future me too thanks our thanks to Sammy Robertson for joining us if you'd like to know more about Bailey's Team you can visit baileysteam.org and to find this episode and all future episodes of the Good Morning League podcast you can visit leagueschool.org slash podcast or search for Good Morning League wherever you find your favorite podcasts until next time have a great day